0: incoming chat hello everybody and welcome one more time to incoming chat the podcast by live chat and i have Piotr Orsikowski. i always have problems with that um, who is the ceo of Infermedica, a company that i knew i met uh, a few years ago and you guys have been doing crazy and amazing stuff uh, Peter, it's great to have you in the show Thank you, Marcos. Great to be here. And I'm going to start with a regular question. Before we get into what Informatica does and and the whole journey that you guys have been having,
1: um, if you can let us know what you've been doing for the last few years. Oh, this one is easy, because for the past eight years or so, I was just focused on informatica. So that's pretty much a big chunk of my story. But prior to the company, I was involved in mobile gaming. So I worked in several game dev studios, mainly working on mobile games for iPhones and even old Java phones, if oh, wow. you recall. Yeah. And also I was um, involved in a startup, which was a, a Polish copycat of Dropbox. It was based in Wrocław, it was called Storino, and <laughs> that was something that actually had a happy end because the technology was acquired by Onet. Oh, you had a good exit on there. I mean, a, a tiny it one. Was an exit. I was just a <laughs> very small piece of the whole company, but I think in terms of technology, it really worked. All right. So that was uh, my short story, and I started programming at the age of seven, so I was kind of nerdy in the beginning, and, uh, but later on I discovered that instead of doing mobile games, uh, I wanted to become an entrepreneur and uh, build things for clients.
0: And that's when Informatica came in.
1: Yeah, so after the uh, copycat of Dropbox, that's when I was working on something new. And actually the idea for Informatica came from a mobile game. All right. Yeah, so back in 2012, um, I was playing this online version of 20 Questions. You know the game when you think about somebody famous, uh, some fictional character. And there was this game, French game called Akinator, so you think about—is that the genie one, right? The genie, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I see now. You one. got it. So it's a genie, and I was playing this game with one of my friends who happens to be a medical doctor, and we thought, hey, that's very clever. This game continues to improve over time. So the more sessions with users you have, the better it gets, and it would always guess who you were thinking of, like president, you know, pope, whoever. And we thought, hey, can we apply this to something useful, something that can be used uh, in practice by patients? And we thought, hey, so instead of genie for characters, maybe we can make a genie for symptoms, you know? so. We wanted to replace this Dr. Google and what happens when people feel sick. So when we feel sick, we go online. I I still do that all the time. Uh, Yeah, and that was uh, our driving force. I was always, like since a very small kid, I was kind of concerned about my symptoms. That was my thing, and it really resonated with me. Uh, So we started working on a prototype that would replace this traditional typing in Google. You type, you find out you have brain tumor, (laughs) but in reality, it's not the case. So we wanted to build something much better that would continue improving over time, just like this genie does.
0: So obviously, AI is a huge part of Informatica, right? Oh, absolutely. So
1: before we keep moving, into, I'm sure you've been pitching Informatica
0: for many years. So uh, in the shortest words, what Informatica is?
1: So we are a company um trying to improve how primary care works with technology everything we do is focused on primary care and uh, we're helping patients make best decisions about what to do about their symptoms it's the first part of our story because we're now building on top of this and it's not only patients it's only doctors Um, so given the technology we've been developing since 2012 we want to assist both patients and physicians, doctor, healthcare providers, in making sure you get the right diagnosis.
0: That is amazing, and I'm, I, I want to make a little confession too. Because I, I remember the first time I saw you pitching the um, the company was, I think it was 2015, and I really liked the idea. I found like the great energy behind, like, yeah, we really want to do this. But I'm like, Jesus, is people really going to adapt or trust AI to tell them what what they might have and it's funny that I felt that way then, but right now, uh, my last two doctor's appointments were over the phone, mm. and the doctor's literally just adding all my symptoms into a computer, which it might even be your, uh, your solution, because I think, I think that my company works with you, with, um, with you guys. So it's crazy how the, the adoption of something that it might sound scary, it might sound like, oh, I don't want to trust this computer for, for my health, is changing completely.
1: Absolutely, Marcus. So, patient behavior has changed significantly, and one of the main driving forces, as you said, is telemedicine. You know, and if you have telemedicine, either like a traditional phone consultation or a video consultation, you are already working in some kind of IT infrastructure. So, you can add new things on top. Um, what you describe, physicians typing on their keyboard, they actually use things called EHRs, so electronic health records because they, they need to have some sort of documentation and they need to type it. And I'll give you one example. What if, before your next teleconsultation, you were prompted by your physician to fill out this short questionnaire online? Let's say they send you a link with a very neat app, which is, let's say, just like live chat, yeah. for symptoms. It's very interactive. You say, hey, I've been not feeling great recently. I have some small abdominal pain. Not sure if this is something serious or not. And then you have this chatbot asking you follow-up questions. All right. So let me learn about your family history. Let me ask you several questions about the medications you might be taking. Okay. So now your stomach pain. Is it getting uh, worse across like two weeks or shorter? Is it severe? This part of the body, do you have any related symptoms? And this is exactly the logic that we are building. Um, And... After 10 to 15 questions, we can send this questionnaire to the physician saying, hey, Marcus is coming. Uh, It's not a severe case. He is slightly concerned about this is like the AI talking to to the physician. This is uh, some sort of minor uh, abdominal pain, not severe case. We have ruled out all emergencies. This is not appendicitis, so don't worry. That's the likely. So it's that smart. Oh oh, yeah, and it might be something around maybe uh, digestion problems or maybe IBS or maybe something that requires more of, uh, you know, evaluation and physical examination, but this is what we know so far. And doctor, it's our assumption, but also this is how it works right now. The doctor will say, okay, that's helpful, so I don't have to type it on keyboard. I can spend more time with Marcus taking care of his needs, right? making physical examination and building the relationship. And hey, it's nice that I'm getting some hints from this AI assistant. Of course, this AI will not make the diagnosis. It will not make treatment plan. It will not make a prescription. However, it helps because I have another companion to get no, absolutely. to the Because
0: I mean, if I remember um, when going to the doctor in the past, I, I will just sit down and tell my symptoms to the doctor and he will have to come up with his own idea at the moment it was like, oh, it might be this with just the information. So there was a, there's a lot of information for them to digest. So if you have Informedica as a sort of the middle guy, just like, all right, let me, let me handle a doctor and I'll let you know what's, what's the direction
1: that you should take. Um, it's, I would say right now it's more about inspiring the physician right. to like expand, for example, those diagnostic opportunities and maybe highlight some things that might not be obvious, for instance, when it comes to rare diseases. But to your point, Marcus, uh it's not only about what the AI can collect from you. It's also about uh, other data sources. Imagine you might have a wearable device. Maybe you have a Fitbit. Maybe you have an Apple Watch. Um, imagine that maybe you have a smart wave that sends data to this box, to our AI. And I really think that in few years from now, those AIs in general will have so much information which was not accessible to traditional doctors right now. Yeah. So the whole history throughout months of how you practiced or trained, run and so on uh, your maybe some nutrition information, maybe information from other medical devices, like a smart toilet, a smart refrigerator. That, I, w- I was actually thinking and of the
0: toilet especially. Yeah,
1: then. it's a very important, uh, it will be, in my opinion, a very important device because uh, w- you already have some prototypes which can detect even small amounts of blood, which is normal, but if there is more, it might be different things, full analysis, yeah. Yeah. So it's But it's just enough to tell you, hey, I've noticed you have some blood. Um, somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I I just find out. And this is a very, very important symptom, which might be a game changer for how you describe your symptoms to a physician, because without blood, physician might be, okay, so this is this group of possible causes. But the more information we have, the more complete picture they get. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what I want to say is that in reality, those AIs or like automated machines might have much more information combined with your genetic profile, the whole medical history, than the traditional doctors have right now. And it's absolutely, absolutely not about um, replacing the best doctors and all doctors with technology. It's just about using the technology to supplement their to help, work and yeah. make, it, make it easier.
0: Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you something that I don't really want to get too much in depth into it, but um, uh, there's obviously privacy issues here. And I'm sure this is something that you guys have to deal bigly <laughs> in, in like, like how do you protect. Because this is not regular data. It's, it's your personal data, especially about your health. Yeah. So what, like, how do you guys protect, or how do you guys look at the, uh, at the problem of, of keeping the privacy as, as something very important?
1: Yeah, so privacy, especially in medical data, is a huge topic, and it's regulated in, in law, mm-hmm. in European Union, in the uh, in US, and, and everywhere. Uh, so in our case in particular, we only build a machine to analyze data points but we have no solutions that uh, process personal information so we are more like api you know okay so it's like a simplifying assumption because there are other companies building the whole package like a personal health record where you actually submit data in our case we just focus on this engine so you never have to log in you don't send any insurance number to us we cannot identify you but i agree that's a huge thing in many medical applications and uh you need to be very, very careful. I, I saw essentially huge contracts lost because like, somebody because of... was sending analytics to Amplitude.
0: Well, I mean, even with um, the problem that Google has right now with buying Fitbit, um, what's going to happen with all that information, right? It's, Absolutely. I mean, it's fair enough. I, I always, I, I'm always scared of um, companies dealing with my data, but again, it's sort of what's mm. happening anyways. Now, I'm... Informatica is not something that is started out of, I mean, as a whole. Uh, it's been a journey. You guys started in 2012, and it's been evolving a lot. Um, and a lot of the people that listen to the show, um, they are also startup founders. Mm. So I want you to tell me a little bit more, how how was the journey from from the concept after checking Akinator and saying, like, yeah, let's do this. I mean, how, how has it been so far in the last, Jesus, eight years already?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, eight years, but still, you don't think that it was that long, to be honest. But let's move back to 2012. So we had this prototype. Uh, I teamed up with with our scientific co-founder who had a PhD at the University of Pittsburgh in the US, and he was actually working on diagnostic tools for the US Army. So we adapted his know-how to build our own version of this Akinator, right? Um, So we had some very solid foundations. We had a two-person medical team filling it with medical data for some basic conditions. And what can I say? Back in 2012, um, we realized that, all right, that's like the idea that needs some funding so we can start doing it. It's not a business you can bootstrap because you need to hire engineers, you need more doctors. And there are certainly businesses which cannot be started without some initial capital. So we started fundraising. But as you can imagine, back in 2012, there was yeah. nothing here in this beautiful country. I remember the same. Yeah, <laughs> very tough uh, choices, I would say. But we got one that we were very happy for. It was an um, investor based from Wrocław called Wrocławskie Centrum Badań Plus, which was partially like, uh, no, it was, I think, completely funded by some European grants. Okay. So European money, that should go to startups. I, if there's money there, why not to get yeah. it? Yeah, so long story short, uh, we, we signed a deal, almost giving all the company away <laughs> for five zloty. So that wasn't probably the best uh, business move, but still that was the only uh, choice that we had, and I'm happy that we took it, right? And shortly afterwards, we thought, all right, so we'll make this game, we'll release it, uh, and this will be so popular, we don't need to worry how to earn money on it. We'll make money straight away, right? Guess what happened? <laughs> so, so essentially, uh, it became quite popular. It was like the number one medical application for Android devices in Poland. Uh, we soon had like an um, English version as well, which was top two or even top one at some point symptom checker in Google Play. Um, So it was good, but there was absolutely no business model behind it. Our assumptions were so poor or weak or maybe non-existent that from this perspective, uh, I think it was kind of silly, but sorry. I did hire a salesperson oh, almost you, from you a you day one. <laughs> yeah, a great guy, he, did, uh, he, did, uh, he had certain experience because he used to sell clothes at Zara, so.
0: Oh, no, that's a perfect experience for medical. Yeah, <laughs> so I
1: thought this was scale, so just to illustrate the level of my perception at that point, point. Um, and long story short, uh, shortly afterwards uh, we got in touch with another investor and from Kraków, uh, Innovation Nest, which is a fund um, co-funded by Piotr Willem, uh, and these guys had a crazy idea. They said, we will take startups from Poland to Silicon Valley so right. they can learn. And that's actually what they did. So they so they packed us into a plane with several other startups. <laughs> they sent us there, hey guys, you need to survive. You need to beg for feedback. You need to meet with whoever you can on the street, in Starbucks, wherever. You just ask for feedback. and but wait, wait, wait,
0: was it a full program? Or it just like, all right, you're on your own, just find, find a founder and then? It was a bit of a program,
1: so okay. there was some workshops around it, like customer development, very useful knowledge, and of course they had their network. Okay, so that's that's They would super, put you yeah. in touch with some entrepreneurs, uh, some other founders, but then you were left on your own. Then you had to figure it out yourself. But I have to say that was game changing experience. I mean, however it sounds, I was uh, until that point I thought California is probably a town. <laughs> but then I realized it's a state. So, um, so and I thought Silicon Valley is it a street? Is it what? So, um, but but actually that was eye opening experience. So we started networking. We started like observing how Silicon Valley works. And we uh, I spent several months over there learning and and talking to people, networking. I made some friends. Cool. cool. Um, and uh, and actually over there. Um, we got this insight that, hey guys, you're doing something great, but in B2C, as you can see, this, will, this is not going to fly. Uh, but we would be happy to license the technology from you so we can white label it and put into our app that we're already selling to hospitals and clinics in the US. So you're the tech behind. Yeah, so we said, hmm, okay, so somebody wants to give us money for something we already have. <laughs> that sounds kind of well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if
0: it's money, why not? (laughs) Yes.
1: Even I was surprised, but uh, I'm kidding, of course. But we said, sure. So we created this API um, that powered several companies in the US, and we discovered, hey, maybe there are more companies that want to use our technology inside of their markets, their use cases. So the company uh, moved from this B2C focus to B2B. The end user is still a patient or still a doctor, but the business model is only oriented on B2B clients. So if you are a clinic um, or if you are insurance company, you have your patients, you want to help them navigate through different options of care, you can go to us and we'll provide you the technology. Or even if you are a technology company like LiveChat or Microsoft with their chat solution, you can take what we have and power your existing platforms, so they become smarter and can talk about symptoms. Next. And that's what
0: I wanted to go next. Is um, we we had the chance to collaborate with you uh, right before COVID, um, as live chat and informatica, and a little bit after that, uh, I will say we're very close to Microsoft, but not there yet. But then you started collaborating with Microsoft too. Is is. That means you guys are doing something right. I mean, if you're getting the attention of big companies like that. And what, what's the nature of um, some of the stuff you guys have been
1: doing with Microsoft? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so just one comment, Marcus. Uh, we simply believe that everything is about partnerships. And we want to focus on providing the best AI capability, but not the front end ourselves. You know, You have your great reach and networks and clients. We just want to provide you with this one component. And... Uh, with Microsoft, this is exactly why they uh, decided to work with us. Uh, so they evaluated several technologies on the market. They were really satisfied with the quality in terms of like diagnostic accuracy of what we have. But on top of that, we were the only B2B-focused provider. You know? So we were the only company which was providing API, which is easy to use, which is customizable. and so everybody is trying to sell to yeah. customers. So it made it very simple for them to use. And the business model for Microsoft HealthBot is that they have a certain group of clients all, ar- all around the world, but mainly in the US, uh, health systems, hospitals, um, even pharmacy chains, and they say, hey, maybe you want to build your health bot. This is the set of features. One of them is patient symptom checking and triage. So... Uh, it's a, I would say health Microsoft HealthBot is a live chat for health.
0: I like when people use live chat term. That's good. That or Microsoft
1: good. is more like live chat for exactly.
0: Health. <laughs> now I'm um, going back to the journey of Informatic as a startup. Uh, you guys uh, got funded um, more funding uh, not too long ago. Like how how hard it's been for you guys to get uh, funding,
1: especially during this time. Of course. Um, so recently we raised over $10 million uh, in our Series A, uh, something we just announced, uh, I think, one month ago, and definitely we're super happy. Apart from our existing investors, we have two new ones, which is EBRD and, uh, and Hill Capital, which is a German fund. EBRD is based in the UK. Um, was it hard? Yes, because fundraising is always hard but it was not harder than our seed round last year, which was 3.6. All right. I would say that episode was much harder. <laughs> uh, I don't, I mean, I think I know why, but uh, w- once you get past certain stage and you have great investors on board... You get credibility. You get credibility, <laughs> you've got great support. You know? You've got network, you get warm intros to other investors, you get very... Constructive feedback from your existing investors. Definitely, so that's that's
0: something that startups they need to remember that it's not just about the money. I mean, when when VCs or, or investors they like, they just say, "All right, here's the money, good luck." That's not really worth as much as here's some money, but our full network.
1: No, absolutely. So it's uh, it's absolutely not about uh, the money. It's about also not only about network. Network of investors is great, of course, but. They help you in thinking, you know, when you extend your board of directors, they become decision makers in the company. If you have any strategic problem about the direction, go to market, whether we should do or that, you you treat them as sparring partners to discuss, hey, given your experience doing like 20 plus years building companies, what do you think? What should we do? And they will not tell you what to do, but they will discuss. So, uh, so, so thinking and strategic decisions and also helping in all other areas like recruiting. Recruiting senior people, C-level people, recruiting other bar- board members, um, helping you even going through like very practical things like uh, reviewing budgets, making market analysis, reviewing your pitch decks, translating from English to German. Uh, depending on the investors, some of them are very, very involved uh, and uh, and super happy for the investors we have I just um, it sounds crazy then
0: at the beginning of your story, it was just about a little game on a phone, and now you 're talking about sea level investors and um, mm-hmm. like finances and, and, and it's, it beca- it becomes huge it becomes a, a something that is w- were you expecting this or this was your idea
1: or are you still not there? Of course we're not there, we'll, <laughs> we, we'll keep growing, but I don't think I ever thought about it. Uh, you just keep doing what you do, right? Uh, the company keeps growing, you're happy, but you also see that you, the company needs to mature. You need to structure it better, you need to create certain uh, you know, levels, roles, you need to have a board of directors if you want to attract investors. So everything changes. Um, and just back to your question, to your original question, Marcos, uh, was it hard? Yes. But at the same time, um, we are in healthcare space. So we started fundraising in March, uh, in, in the middle of March, and we finished this round around, uh, around uh, June or July. So it was a couple it of months. Time, yeah. It takes time. Uh, but we started exactly in the worst possible time when COVID pandemic started. Oh yeah, our friend COVID. Our friend COVID, and actually, maybe in our case, it turned out to be more friendly than for startups from other industries, maybe hospitality, business, or travel. Mm-hmm. In our case, you know, we're in healthcare. And everything that is around healthcare, like telemedicine or infrastructure that can support physicians, increase accessibility to care, like this AI for analyzing your exactly. symptoms, uh, it was an even better value proposition Uh, than it used to be so it resonated with investors very well and even though some funds said hey we're not looking at any new deals because situation is very uncertain we need to attend to our portfolio first uh, there was still a group which was open to invest and explore and this whole situation with COVID actually added some additional arguments why to commit to such ventures
0: I mean, it's, it's great that you guys have the, like, uh, how
1: many, how many people do you have in the company right now? 110. 110.
0: Wow. And that's doctors, developers. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so uh, a big chunk of our company are medical doctors. Uh, and then we of course have software engineers, data scientists, um, marketing, salespeople, everybody. Nice, man. Nice. I'm
0: very proud. Again, um, I still remember when. It was, it was more of a passionate idea than a full-on-grown company. And what, so what's coming? What's, what's the future? And any, Anything that is sort of shareable right now?
1: No, oh, of course. We try to be as transparent as we can, so we stay devoted to helping compa- other companies uh, use our technology to help their patients and doctors. And actually, with this new round of funding, we're opening a new chapter. And here we want to focus even more on physicians. So we have several partnerships in place uh, with our clients where we will be providing this assistance to doctors to learn from them. And -hmm. you want to stay close to physicians because you want to see how they diagnose, what prescriptions they make, And the more data you collect, the better AI will be in the future. So right now, this is where we are going. And in terms of the company itself and our structure, uh, we are building up our U.S. part. So we have uh, just a couple of employees in U.S. right now, but the team is expected to grow. We're looking for some C-level members to join us. So super exciting times for us. Well, good to hear. And if you're
0: listening, maybe um, give it a shot. Go check Medica and um, see if there's something you can do for them. Yeah. And Peter, I just want to thank you so much for being with us this um, today. And all the best for Informedica, man. Thanks, Marcos. It was great fun. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. My name is Marcos Bravo, and this was Incoming Chat. Thank you for joining us today. Do not miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time. Incoming Chat.